Okay, we welcome you back to Locked on Syracuse, this Thursday edition. Thanks for checking us out. Tim Leonard with Tyler Rocky, as we are every single weekday, the only daily Syracuse podcast out there. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, where we put out our all-time Syracuse players bracket. We're not going to talk about that today, but we will get back to that later. But Tyler, we got to talk about the transfer portal again, because... The sports world shuts down thanks to coronavirus and everything, and the transfer portal has still given us a lot to talk about these days because Seth Towns, a guy that Syracuse is after in the transfer portal, that Harvard transfer that we've talked about on this podcast will be a huge ad, is uh, in talks with Duke, apparently, according to John Rothstein, which is always not a great sight to see when you're a Syracuse fan. We've been down this road before, and here Duke comes in at the last minute, but That's another team to add to the list of a competitive list for this guy, Seth Towns. Shades of the Jordan Tucker debacle. And and remember, it seemed like Tucker was pretty set on Syracuse. And then what happened? Coach K took him on a little in-home visit. And when I say in-home, I don't mean into Jordan Tucker's home. I mean into the Krzyzewski household. And that never ends well because he saw the pool and if you don't remember what I'm talking about, look up the, the Coach K. Jordan Tucker picture where it's the two of them at Krzyzewski's pool, which, by the way, I mean, that would sway me. I would go do the Locked on Duke podcast if I was shown <laughs> the pool, okay? Like, it would sway me, and I don't blame Jordan Tucker for getting swayed. It's, it's like that, that scene in um, The Other Guys where they make Will Ferrell do the desk pop. It swung me, man. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that's, that's what it was, so... I get why there's the big allure here because it is the Blue Devils. And if you're Seth Towns, I mean, I even saw this kind of put out on Twitter. Think about having Harvard and Duke on your resume as schools you attended. I mean, that that doesn't get get better than that, really, does it? And we know academics are probably going to play a bit of a role in his decision. So, I mean, he has a chance to put two of the most prestigious universities in the world on his resume. Yeah. There's two ways to look at this, and I think it's a dangerous... I mean, it's Duke, so it's dangerous once they come into the fold and they're into the conversation against Syracuse anytime that seems to lead to Duke getting the player, like Jordan Tucker. And the other thing that makes this particularly interesting is that, keep in mind who the Harvard head coach is, Tommy Amaker, who used to work at Duke and obviously mm-hmm. has a relationship with Coach K. So you'd Played have at to Duke think... Too, yep. Yeah, he played at Duke, and he's one of those long lines of assistants that's gone on to be very successful at Harvard. So you'd have to think Coach K is in talks with him, and maybe Tommy Amaker's at the point now where he knows that he's losing one of his guys. I mean, there's no way Seth Towns is going to stay at Harvard. He can't play if he continues to stay at Harvard, I believe, according to eligibility. But although he's an interesting situation with the injuries and stuff, anyway, it seems like he, that's... A bad thing that Tommy Amaker is the head coach and also has a relationship with Coach K. But the other thing is, by all accounts, we don't know for sure. And maybe he went on a visit in high school or something. But this was not one of the schools on his radar when he was making these visits this time around. So I don't think he's been to Duke recently. And with everything that's going on right now, I'm pretty sure coaches can't even technically host visits. I'm almost positive about that. Right. And obviously everything recruiting I don't is shut think down. Recruiting shut down. And it doesn't seem like Seth Towns would probably make a trip 
to North Carolina right now, considering what's going on in the world and where he's based out of, and that would probably require a flight maybe. So there's good and bad here because Duke is Duke and it's Tommy Amaker, but also it's tough to sway someone when they haven't been on a visit. And I don't know if he has been on a visit. Sometimes you don't need to be on a visit. Okay. I mean, it's Duke. Duke is Duke, and you get Coach K calling you. We we know how, how this goes. Hey, hey you, you like LeBron here. Got him on the phone. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, yep, got him on the phone. Like, that's that's the Duke visit right there, okay? And it's a good Coach K impersonation. Thank you. I, I've been, I've been, see, this is what happens when you get quarantined. You start doing co- yes. college basketball coach impersonations. Anyway, sometimes you don't need it. And with a program like Duke, they're one of those ones where they don't necessarily need it. I mean, they, they have the Duke brand, and whenever this thing does start up again, then you bring them in for the visit, and who knows, maybe they string it out. Now, the timing, of course, is very interesting because when you look at everything happening and the fact that Seth Towns is saying, I'm going to make a decision next week, yeah, that's... I mean, is he going to push that timetable back? Again, it's his timetable. He is the one that gets to determine it. But if he doesn't make a decision within the next week, then guess what? Duke is a real player in this. And that's when you have to be worried about if he's not going to pick Syracuse. And again, both you and I aren't fully sold that he's going to pick Syracuse. We think he might go the route of maybe an Ohio State. He's from Columbus, something like that. But... I I think if it stretches out past the week, that is when I I get really worried if it's that Duke is a real player. I would be shocked if he picked Syracuse. And that's based on no insider information. And honestly, I don't think anyone really has insider information on this case. We've tried talking to people, and at least the Syracuse people we know of, they don't have really any intel most will tell you their gut says that he's probably not coming to Syracuse. But again, we don't really know. My thinking is, though, that if we haven't heard anything Syracuse-based from sort of the Syracuse people around the school and the fall of the team, not a good sign. And then when you just look at the offer sheet and what he has, it's all teams that were ranked this year. I mean, Maryland, Kansas, like you can go down on the list. Ohio State, as you talked about, There's just a lot of teams here that, A, might have slightly better academics, especially when you consider Duke, and B, it's just better programs right now than what Syracuse is at. Now, the only draw I'd say to Syracuse is he's going to start, probably, if he comes Mm -hmm. here. If he goes to Duke, it becomes he could fall into the Jordan Tucker role and transfer. I mean, he's not going to transfer again, but Jordan Tucker didn't see the playing time he was anticipating think of Geno Thorpe when he was coming to Syracuse so that's obviously a huge thing on his mind is playing time for any transfer and that's what Syracuse has but outside of that there's really no reason to think he's coming and on top of that when you look at again you mentioned he comes to Syracuse he is undoubtedly the starter barring something crazy where Elijah Hughes returns but when you look at the situation with Duke I mean this guy's a small forward okay Guess what? They, they're they bringing in a five-star small forward in Jalen Johnson. And then you've got Wendell Moore in all likelihood returning because he was injured most of the year and probably didn't get to show enough to a lot of these scouts. And then Joey Baker also coming back. 
So that also makes things a little bit interesting on the Duke front of why Coach K wants that. Does that mean he thinks one of those two, he's going to lose them in the next couple of days or weeks or whenever to the transfer portal? Who knows? Because, I mean, Joey Baker, I think he thought he was going to be a bit of a bigger role, and he had that one year burned in the Syracuse game where he was put in for a handful of minutes, and then yeah. boom. Still there, makes no sense. There went the redshirt year. Didn't see the floor the rest of the year. I don't get it. No one else understood it either, but that's sometimes the ruthless game that Coach K plays. And maybe Baker saw that and didn't like his minutes that he got this year as well and is going to say, hey, you know what, I'm I'm going to find a new home. So maybe there there's some changing of the guards, or I guess changing of the forwards out in, in Durham, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see because that's, that's kind of the game we're all playing right now in every aspect of life. Seriously. It would be surprising, but it would also really change the complexion of this team if he does come. I think it takes them from NIT borderline NCAA tournament team to maybe a top five team in the ACC, top six team in the ACC, and starting with much, much higher season expectations. Then if you bring him in, that's an NCAA tournament team, and it would be kind of a disappointment if they didn't make the tournament. Right, so, and you look at with, with Syracuse, too and we say fifth or sixth in the ACC, the ACC is going to be back up next year, okay? It was think, a, a lull, yeah. but there's a lot of young talent. And I, I guess Virginia Tech a little hurt because of what's happened with Landers Nolly, but, I mean, you look at a team like Miami, Isaiah Wong. I mean, there are up-and-comers littered throughout the conference. And there's yeah, – Trey McGowan. Yeah, Trey McGowan's is on the move now from Pitt, too. so that's a, an interesting move. But, listen, I mean, the ACC, a lot of these guys – and a lot of these guys in the transfer portal, too, are going to be looking at ACC schools because they're going to be looking to replenish. So ACC is certainly a hotbed for transfers, you'd think. I mean, we saw Carolina definitely go that route last year, albeit with, with not much success. But, I mean, there will be – and this is the – this is probably the wealthiest the, the transfer market's been in terms of quality, right? Because, yeah. And, I mean – pure quantity Seems too. like everyone's everyone's leaving. in the transfer portal right now so yeah we'll, we'll see it, well, it's going to be an interesting watch over these next couple of weeks there was rumors that one other player for Syracuse was going to enter the transfer portal but he spoke with Mike Waters of the post standard and kind of squashed those rumors we'll tell you who that guy is and why that's big news for Syracuse on the other side this is locked on Syracuse All right, so we gave you some bad news in regards to Seth Towns and Duke, but the good news from yesterday, Mike Waters of Syracuse.com chatted with Robert Braswell, the forward for Syracuse, of course. There were some rumors that he was entering the transfer portal. Not a given that he is coming back, but based on this article of Mike Waters, Tyler, it does seem like it is likely that Robert Braswell is coming back, and also it seems like he's getting healthier. So all in all, very positive to see that. Right, and Braswell is going to be a pretty important piece for Syracuse, assuming he comes back. Now, to, to quote the article exactly, he basically says, in addressing the transfer rumors, it's been talked about, but it's not something I'm really considering, and I'm most likely coming back. So that's certainly a, a good and welcome sign for the Syracuse team going into next year because that was a guy who we kind of had counted out. But, I mean, Braswell's one of those guys, at least in my eyes, where I feel like you kind of need him if you're Syracuse. I mean, you're looking into 
everything that's that's going on and again the sample size with braswell is super small right now which may be a, a little alarming because there's not a ton of experience coming back out of him but when he's gotten in i i've kind of liked him i mean you remember of course that nc state game that he played so well in was that two seasons ago now so yeah that that's certainly something that that you can draw from and build upon but he just hasn't really been healthy and right he was great in those exhibitions this year and i know it's exhibitions but he was knocking down threes and i was actually kind of re-watching those the other day and it was kind of funny you've got so much time on our hands now and you kind of forget like quincy garrier was in the starting lineup jalen carey was in the starting lineup in those exhibitions and you know, Garrier was shooting jump shots left and right. Braswell was hitting threes off the bench, and it looked like this team had so many three-point shooters. Bryson was hitting shots and seemed aggressive on offense, and there was all this optimism because that's kind of what we saw in Italy as well. But it was puzzling to me to just see how confident Quincy looked with the jump shot, and then he only attempted, like, I think it was 1-3 after the 28th of January this year because Beheim was so quick to say that, he should stop attempting those but getting back to braswell he was great in those exhibitions and the thing about him is with washington and Carey, maybe there is less playing time available because you've got a returning backcourt there but the lone starter we're assuming if elijah hughes does go is going to be at the forward spot and braswell should be in the competition for that and at least given that hughes is leaving means he's going to get more opportunity you'd think Right, and I mean, with Gary, I think both you and I presume he'll be the starter, but of course, things can change, and Beheim yeah. doesn't always do what we think, and that's why he's the head coach and we're not. So when you look at Braswell, too, you and I always talk about the importance of having that third three-point shooter with this team, because we know Buddy and Gerard can get it going from deep, but who is going to be that third guy? Braswell has kind of shown that he can shoot the three. It's a very limited sample size. He's taken eight career threes, but he's made five of them. So that obviously shows you that when he's open, he can hit the three ball. So that's going to be an important thing for this team moving forward. If Braswell is that third guy, or maybe you get someone else to come in and he ends up being maybe that fourth or fifth guy on your team that can knock down a three, especially with some of the freshmen that are coming in too, then who knows? I mean, this team could really use a, a, a boost from three-point shooting because, yeah, they started out the season hot last year, but once you got into the months of January and February, basically when you needed it most, that's when it really petered off, and that's when it hurt them late in games. They didn't have the legs under them. They didn't have the... Uh, they didn't have just that third option, and you saw at times where, okay, Buddy is, is down, and, and he's not shooting well, or he got hurt in that game against Pitt, or Elijah Hughes, he's not himself, or yeah. he's he got injured, of course, in the NC State game, or Gerard's just taking bad shots. I mean, all of the above happened last season, and you needed to have a reliable third three-point option. This team did not yeah, have maybe. that then. And now, who knows? Maybe Braswell can be that guy where, okay, your your three main guys, say Quincy Garrier, moves into that role as as trying to be the third three point guy on the team because that's something that he he's that's that's one of the reasons they brought him in is because that he can shoot the basketball. He just didn't really right. showcase even Marak. You think yeah. he could start mm-hmm. shooting? Some or more maybe threes. it's Woody Newton, uh, one of the freshmen yeah. coming in. It, could that be it too? So. 
say say one of those guys steps up, but then you have the the complimentary role of Braswell. I mean, that's big. That that would be huge for this team if they could somehow get that to all click. I've always been impressed by Braswell when he's been out there and when he's been healthy, and that's obviously an important thing. It's kind of like that conversation we've had with Sidibe for so many years and really leading up to this season. And the other guys transferring kind of makes sense. Like, I think Bryson, as much as it kind of stings to lose your top recruit from last year's class, at least ESPN-wise, it it made sense to me. Like, he's going to go somewhere where he's probably going to start. He was going to be behind Gerard and Bayheim for... I mean, Beheim for two years, Gerard for three years, so there really wasn't a starting role in sight for him. But Braswell, I, I feel like he has a window there. He redshirted this year, so he's got some eligibility left. And, you know, you think about guys in the past, like Matt Moyer. I saw John Rothstein tweeted today a list of Matt Moyer's schools that he's re- receiving interest from. And remember, he's transferring now from Vanderbilt for a second time as a grad transfer. And to give you this list, I mean, it's, it's kind of uninspiring and almost a little deflating when I saw it because I feel like Moyer is... We saw some flashes. You think of that UConn game, right. but his list here, he's got Oregon State, George Washington, Dayton, which is obviously pretty solid, but then after that, Kent State, but Cal here's Poly, the thing is We say Dayton's solid. We say Dayton's solid, but is Dayton solid or are we just kind of basing that off of one year? right now yeah because, like, i mean that's true sure we've too. seen dayton get into the tournament before and, and syracuse even played them a couple of years ago yeah but remember he's he's an ohio kid and is he kind of just looking in the area maybe he wants to play close to home because i mean dayton basketball he's got cal poly th- on there this too. year just... is the outlier of, of what dayton right. basketball is yeah, it doesn't feel right that someone who was an ESPN 100 recruit, mm-hmm. I mean, he had offers from some good schools coming out of school or coming out of high school. Ohio State was in there locally, and now he might go play at like a Cal Poly. Now, maybe he does go to Oregon State, or and, and that's at least a power conference school, but still, it's a steep drop. And I'm not saying Braswell would follow that, but. We have seen a lot of guys transfer out of Syracuse, and the track record has not been that great. I mean, there's really not many that have had success stories after transferring. Yeah, no, it's it's slim pickings. So you got to wonder. Well, yeah, maybe just yeah. the lack of playing time just derailed their confidence. And, and yeah, listen, if you can't handle it, you can't handle it. But it, when you turn the page, you should be turning the page for the better too. Yeah. Well, we will keep an eye on Braswell going forward, but that was some good news. Again, not definitive that he's coming back, but it sounds like he thought about it, and he's now more likely coming back than not, according to Mike Waters, who wrote that great article over at Syracuse.com. So when we come back, take a little moment and think about a Syracuse player in the past that hasn't been all that good, but for whatever reason, you just love them. You loved rooting for them. Maybe they were a bench player and you had a rational confidence behind them. Because Tyler and I are going to talk about our favorite Syracuse players that we had a rational confidence about when they got on the and floor. And a rational love for them, even though they, they may <laughs> yeah. not have been the best player out there. Right. That'll be fun. So we'll talk about that next. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Syracuse is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Orange fans just like you. 
Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Syracuse fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So there is always that one player on a team that you root for, and maybe multiple players, each throughout separate years, but we're going to talk about now that player in Syracuse basketball history that we have watched, that we love, even though we really shouldn't, and it's our irrational love for one Think player of your guilty pleasure. Out. So this is like your the yes. notebook <laughs> of Syracuse That's basketball. A good way to put it. Yeah, so I'm going to let you go first, Tyler, because I know you're very excited about this. You kind of spearheaded this idea, and I think well, okay, you a want a funny one, tell, too. Tell them how, how this came up, too. Yeah, so we should mention, we were looking at Matthew Gutierrez, who we are going to try and get on this podcast soon. Remember, we had him on, but the technical difficulties let that one go into the ether. It's up in the cloud somewhere. Yeah. But he's been doing a great job. If the you don't follow cloud. him on Twitter, yes, <laughs> unfortunately. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's been doing an awesome job of kind of giving us a distraction through these past couple of weeks. And I say past couple of weeks. It feels like it's been longer. It's really it's only really been, been a, a week, week since yeah. they played games. I mean, since that UNC game, that was Tuesday or Wednesday. Even, Wednesday, right? yep. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. But he's been doing a great job of Syracuse fan polls, I think is what he's coined them. And he had a good one basically saying who are your five favorite players if you can make a lineup of your not necessarily the best Syracuse players but your favorite players you've watched and we started talking about that and we thought let's maybe just go deeper and think about who are some players that are not necessarily good like I love Jerry McNamara he's probably my favorite Syracuse basketball player of all time but I would say the guy that I irrationally rooted for and had a rational confidence about was by Musakita because he was just a fun player and he came off the bench, doesn't have any flashy stats, doesn't go down in the Syracuse record books, but he was awesome to root for. And I feel like Dolzhai is maybe a little bit too good, but he's kind of fallen into that similar category as a fan favorite these past three years. But who is your guy, Tyler? Because I know you've got a pretty good one. Right. My guy undoubtedly is Tyler Roberson. And yeah. <laughs> I, I'm probably going to get slammed, but I mean, go through his, his think of the final four year when he was there, the year, I mean, just go through his game log and look at his rebounding numbers. And you're probably thinking it's pretty pathetic that I'm in love with a guy who over his, over his Syracuse career averaged six and a half points and 6.1 rebounds. And to me, I just am like, you know what? Like there were games that he would have. I mean, you you always think about the Duke game when they upset Duke, the the day coming back into the winter in semester, fourteen and twenty. He had a, a fifteen. I always and think about that alley oop. 
Yeah, the the ooh. I think I still the the Daily Orange got a great picture of that, and I think I still have the poster somewhere, somewhere tucked away in the archives. I think I have two <laughs> Daily Oranges still with me. It's the one where Tyler Roberson's doing the dunk. In fact, I want to say, I texted Matthew Gutierrez the day that came out and said, "Yo, can you save me one of those Daily Oranges? I need that Roberson." poster wow and he was the one that got it that. for me if i remember correctly i know seriously and then the other one i have is the one where they actually went to the final four so those are the two that i have they're probably yellowing away somewhere but i do still have them and then he he had some solid games in the tournament as well he had an 18 rebound performance against dayton uh that was a double double with 10 points as well also boarded up 12 times against gonzaga i'm, I'm looking at his tournament numbers here and I mean, through the five games, he had... These are his rebounding numbers through the five games. 18, 9, 12, 8, 9. That's, that's really good stuff. And <laughs> Yeah, he could rebound. Yeah, but that's for sure. the next year, I mean, th- he was the prime Bayheim doghouse candidate during his time yeah. there. He was the guy who... I mean, there's always one guy Bayheim will just lay into without any any regard for human life. And Tyler Roberson <laughs> was that guy more often than not, it felt like. I remember that one time... I think it was Louisville, and he had some free throws at the end of the game, a chance to yeah, I do either that. to win or yeah. And remember, he he just bricked him because it was kind of everyone knew it was coming. It was inside the dome. I remember it was yeah. He was game. not a good free and, throw shooter. No, fifty-seven I don't know what, percent if lifetime. Yep. Oh yeah. So, but Beheim after the game was just so blunt in the press conference. I think it was at that press conference, and he was just like. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to make those. <laughs> that you, you can't expect. I mean, that was a doomsday I remember scenario. that, yeah. I mean, him at the line or something. And that, that was Bayheim and Roberson in a nutshell there. Yeah, he peaked his junior year. He started all 37 games. And yeah, Frank the next Howard year, asked, Yeah, the honestly. next year he started only six. So Right. That was the we should mention Frank Howard, our, our friend of the program, friend of the pod, P.J. Clark, who is a – Actually, more of a St. John's basketball fan, but also follows Syracuse basketball very closely and went to Syracuse. And he was uh, joking with me. He saw our bracket that we put out. And we'll get back to going through the bracket. If you haven't seen it, check it out on our Twitter page. But he texted me right after it came out and was like, where's Frank Howard on this? Because Frank <laughs> Howard is his irrational love guy, and he will live on that mountain. But I don't know. For some, I mean, I I do think Frank is underrated, but the ending to his career yeah. really just leaves a bitter taste. Frank in Howard has one of the most complex legacies. I feel like, and the way yeah. that it ended is unbelievably strange because the the violation of team rules, so he has to sit out that that tournament game, and who knows? Maybe Frank Howard's in there. The team's a little bit better, especially defensively, because. You got to remember that was one of the best Syracuse defensive teams that they had, and with him and Tyus at the top of that zone, I mean that was impenetrable. You could not penetrate that length at the top, and between the two of them, I mean they they could really do some damage. And without Frank Howard there towards the end of that run, I mean, I mean you saw that. I mean they lost a tournament game to Baylor, a game that I think you and I both were pretty con- or I guess I think if I remember correctly you thought Baylor was going to win but yeah the, I was on that one but it may have been a reverse jinx of yeah sorts. <laughs> but I mean I was pretty confident that Syracuse was going to win because of 
just the matchups. And then you, you find out day before the game, no Frank Howard, and really, it really changes everything. Yeah, no doubt, for sure. And think about how much you could have valued his top-of-the-zone defense this year. And I'm not really knocking Joe Girard too much because he's a freshman and he'll probably get better. But you can't really teach Frank Howard's length, and that is or obviously his so critical. I mean, yeah. Joe Girard, what do they list him at? 6'1", but he's probably closer yeah. to like 5'11 or 6'0", and Frank Howard's a listed 6'5". So. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's our irrational love player. I got by Musikita. You got Tyler Roberson. If you've got a player that you just have an irrational love for, one of those role players that really sticks out as we're going through this, feel free to tweet at us we will tweet out the podcast at lo underscore syracuse you can reply to that and we will talk about it tomorrow because we will be back tomorrow hopefully chatting with matthew gutierrez on friday yeah, we promised zuba and, and yes we couldn't deliver we apologize but like the, everyone the wfh'ing the working from home is yeah. is cutting into everyone's schedule and again when people are are doing their other things we we cannot blame them so we will have. He has totally. given a verbal commitment, so I don't know if we're going to get Bay's lead here, but we wow. we he, we have gotten a verbal. So is commitment Dior from Johnson. James. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> we'll see. Dior, we might need to talk about Dior's Twitter a little bit tomorrow because yeah, he's back he's on. He's been active still. <laughs> yeah, he he's is got that online commit all back the, in the time. Bio. That's good yes. to hear, though. So, it is good to hear. This is so what anyway, happens. We will talk to you. We, we tomorrow. Co- wait, wait, wait. We kind of we kind of sparked that, right? The the social media sleuthing that we did. That especially you did, and yeah, I mean, I was gonna say you got in. My own you heart, were on the <laughs> you were on the front lines of this. You got him to actually tweet back at Orange Fizz because because you were running the Orange Fizz account at the time. You got him to clap back, yeah, and it, and then the Orange Army just came in the masses after him. All right, they, they've been stabbed before. They're not gonna get stabbed again. And what do you know? You invoked change. So hats off to you, Tim. It's like we just are so afraid right now with everything going on in the world that another bad thing could happen and Dior Johnson could decommit. But it looks like that is definitely not going to happen. It looks like Robert Braswell's coming back and Seth Towns, who knows, but not feeling great about that. Maybe he'll announce tomorrow, and that'll be what we're talking about too. But we will try to get Matthew Gutierrez tomorrow, and we will be back in some capacity no matter what. So check us out tomorrow. Also, be sure to check out the other Locked On podcasts right now. There's been... A lot of room to listen to podcasts lately with everything going on right now. If you've got some more downtime, browse through. If you've got some other teams that you like, we have all the teams in the NBA, NFL, anything you can think of. Obviously, big news right now in the NFL. NFL Draft is coming up. That is still on in a little bit different formation. But check out the Locked On Draft Dudes podcast as well for some advice on your team in the NFL Draft. But Tyler and I will be back. Tomorrow on Locked on Syracuse. Until then, we will talk to you Friday.